Okay, well, thank you everyone for joining us today for another episode of our podcast, Conversation with a Consultant, hosted, hosted by Ron Boutin with special guest, Jenny McKibben. So she is the principal at Jenny McKibben Professional Corporation. And well, but before we start, please let me tell, let me introduce myself. My name is Marlene Hernandez and I'm the office manager here at Research YYC. We are a co-working space for professionals. So if you're looking for an office space to work for the day or on a monthly basis, just let me tell you that this is the right place for you. We do also provide virtual office services in case that you don't want to use your home address for your business. Um, I'll be sharing the link to our website for you to check out after the session and learn more about our services here. Please be aware that this session is going to be recorded for you and for our members to watch and listen later on our website. Well, with that being said, let's begin with the session. And well, Ron Bettin, uh, he is one of our co-founders here at Research What We See, but I will let him to introduce himself. So thank you. Thanks, Marlene. And yeah, come on down. Uh, see Marlene's face is great. It's one of the reasons uh, you'll want to come down to Resource YYC for the friendly faces here. So um, yeah, and I, and I do want to thank everyone who's joining us today live. Um, I know it's podcast, but it's nice to have some people that we're going to stay after for some Q&As after the, the question and answer uh, uh, period at the end. And um, you know, um, one of the reasons we do this is really to try and help build a community uh, there's a lot of consultants working uh, in Calgary and a lot working on their own. And it's nice to build that community and it's really nice to learn from each other. So um, I'm a consultant myself. So selfishly, uh, I get to learn a lot from some really amazing people, uh, including today. So uh, um, we have Jeannie McKibben with us today. Welcome, Jeannie. Thanks, Ron. Thanks for joining us. And um, Jeannie, over her career, she's developed... Um, a passion for team facilitation and collaboration. She works primarily with senior leadership teams to implement transformative change uh, using purpose to create shared focus and energy. She supports organizations to improve governance, priority setting, risk management, um, and has worked in oil and gas, power and utilities, social sectors, and she's a certified management consultant and chartered professional accountant. So lots of bring lots of skills to consulting. So we have lots we can learn today. And I have to say, I, I'm thrilled to talk to Jeannie. Um, I've known her a few years. We're in a leader impact group together. Um, and I really appreciate Jeannie's thoughtfulness and just um, uh, her compassionate way, uh, um, her demeanor and actually what she brings. So I'm looking forward to hear how, uh, how you really bring that caring personality to being a consultant and throughout your career. So um, thanks again for joining us. It's my pleasure. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, and why don't we actually, why don't we start, tell us a bit about yourself, uh, um, your family, you're from Calgary, how long you've been here, just, just a bit about your personal self before we get into sure. your career. Sounds good. Um, so I'm a Maritimer, East Coaster to begin yeah. with. I moved to Calgary about 17 years ago with my husband and my son. And um, I'm a mom and a stepmom. We have uh, an extended blended family, and most of them are back east, but they're scattered around the country. I love my work, but I would say my values are really around community and family, and I'm a lifelong learner, which is why you and I encountered each other at Leader Impact, because that's one of the things that I love is learning from other people. Exactly. It takes some, so, so with all the learning you, you've done, we're going to get a few nuggets out of you today, so 
<laughs> and, I hope and so. Has, I mean, you've been working, uh, well, while you've been working, you've actually been doing some graduate studies and uh, yeah. maybe, maybe actually let's tell us a bit about, before we get into your work, what, uh, what some of the learning you've been doing. Well, it's been fascinating, actually. Um, as you know, I finished a master's degree last year, um, part-time studies while working. was It was something I hadn't done since I was a CA student, Ron, so that was a, a shift. <laughs> but um, I did a master's in transformative leadership and spirituality, which sounds like a bit of an odd combination when you uh, don't scratch the surface of it. But the point of the program was to say, we really need to be aware of our interconnectedness if we're going to be effective as leaders. And so the concept of spirituality that was embedded in the program was really around understanding that, that we are all interconnected and our actions do affect each other. And the transformation part of it is really that in order to be an effective leader, you have to be open to continual learning and growth personally, professionally, and those need to be properly integrated. So I would say that the program was life-changing for me because it allowed me to think about things like leadership and governance and how they link to collaboration, sharing of power, and some really more creative ways to deal with the challenges that we face within business and the social services sector and just in the communities um, that we work in. Well, we were chatting a bit ahead of time. Um... Well, it'll, it'll be interesting to hear because we do want to talk about some of the work you've done um, in the past, but now you're reflecting back in context of what you've learned. So, I, I mean, as we carry on, I'd be happy to, I'd, I'd love to hear maybe how your reflections are on some of that work you've done. Sure. As well. and, and, you know, and there are some learning. So a lot of, you know, we, we expect a lot of people who are listening or who will listen after get involved in governance and some of the senior yes. leadership things you do. So we'd be really looking for some of those little tips of advice, especially now if you could look back and, and add some context to it in, in after your course, so. Yeah, happy to do that, for That'd sure. Be great. So, so actually, let's talk about a bit about your consulting career. So you worked for the big firm, right? Yes, in Young. I did. There, I, and, and how did you get into that? What, what was your path that led you into that consulting role? Well, I, I stumbled into the, into the business world. Um, uh, coming from a small town on the East Coast, I, didn't really have a great sense of a ton of different options. We're going back 35 years now. So I thought I'd try business because I liked math. That was my logic at 17. And it was one of those situations of good luck, not good management, because I actually did find exactly the right path for myself. Um, I started out as a chartered accountant, as you mentioned, and spent about eight or nine years in the financial audit world with Ernst & Young. But around about the same time that I decided that um, accounting and financial audit was not my preferred professional path, um, we were starting up an entrepreneurial consulting practice in the East Coast, and I joined it. That was with and Ernst and, with Ernst and Young. Yeah. I was lucky enough to shift jobs many times without having to leave the firm. And it was great because we built a small practice that worked primarily with entrepreneurs. I loved their energy. I loved their ability to engage fully with the work they were doing. And, and I did a lot of process design and process improvement work with them. So this is back in the old days when we were re-engineering the corporation and, you know, doing all that good stuff in the late 90s. Uh, it was great fun. I, I just loved it. But then I, for family reasons and a couple of other reasons, I decided to leave consulting for five years and I went to work at a nuclear power plant, um, mm -hmm. which was an amazing 
experience as well, um, did a lot of internal consulting really within that organization. Um, it, it just seems like that's my natural bent is to do project-based work. And uh, one of the things I did was implement uh, business planning and risk management. So when I came back to EY in the early 2000s, um, it was after Enron and a couple of other major collapses and people were very focused on governance and managing uh, more effectively from that perspective. And so about it was about 20 years ago that I really turned my attention to governance, risk management, and leadership as kind of the three primary levers that would allow companies to, to do their work in a way that was um, responsible and balanced. And um, then about five or six years ago, I shifted my focus from the corporate world to the nonprofit sector, just because I felt that that was where my purpose was pulling me at the time. But I've continued to do very similar work in that sector. So it's been tremendously rewarding in that regard as well. Well, and I have to ask you, because we're surrounded, uh, so Resource YYC, we have a lot of uh, consultants, a lot of small companies, um, and I do get excited around entrepreneurs. Yes. Did you find that that roots in entrepreneur uh, supporting? Did, did you bring that with you throughout your consulting career? That's a great question. I've never really thought about yeah. it before, but I absolutely think so, because yeah. an entrepreneur needs to think about things from a minimalist point of view. And, you know, we can't, I'm an entrepreneur myself now, we can't layer in a whole lot of bureaucracy, otherwise we get buried underneath it. And I think that that filter has served me really well because even large companies, especially in the oil and gas sector that I worked with when I first moved to Calgary, when you can't set your price, you really can't afford to have a lot of fat, right? Because you never know where that price is going. And certainly in the nonprofit sector, I have found that those folks do more with less than I've ever seen in my career. It's, I have such respect for people working in that sector. Um, and so again, making sure that we tailor our responses so that people don't get buried in too much process or too much formality is critical. And I learned that from entrepreneurs, so. Yeah, you know, for sure. And then, and I know it's, and this is a, probably something you've seen with big companies. Sometimes they lose sight of their uh, customer focus. Yes. So. Um, I, I know anyone who's, and even yourself now as an independent consultant, you know, customer and client focus is, is super important and it brings a different perspective to how you approach things, right? Absolutely. I, I suspect you've been able to bring that over the years has probably been helpful as well. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. We can never lose sight of the person who's actually got an issue they need us to help resolve. And sometimes when you've got multiple layers between the day-to-day project manager and the person who signed the contract, you can lose sight of that a little bit, but uh, not in this sector, that's for sure. Yeah, so, so let's talk about governance because that's kind of sure. been your baby and, and, and change and collaboration. So, so I'm gonna ask a broad question um, because you've seen it change over the last 20 years mm-hmm. and you're right, Enron, Enron brought in like governance with a capital G, right? Um, but it didn't necessarily have a lot of Heart and collaboration because they were dealing with some big issues that were systemic, it seemed, right? So absolutely. So how's the your journey and maybe how's the corporate journey around governance in the last 20 years? Because um, you've got to see it, you've got to help companies. Um, what what's your perspective on where it was at 20 years ago when you got helping and where it's at now? 
Well, it's funny, there are two or three things that have really shifted, I think, in the last 20 years. So as you know, in the early 2000s, um, very cranky regulators in the US and Canada brought in a whole bunch of legislation, Sarbanes-Oxley in the US and, and Bill 198 in Canada, that was all about making sure that we never had those financial failures again. And we've continued to have them, you know, 2008 and more recently, we've seen some big meltdowns. So I've thought a lot about what makes the difference between paying lip service to corporate governance and actually making it work. And the first thing I would say is intention. Um, intentionality from a point of view of what do we believe corporate governance is here to accomplish? and how important do we actually think it is, I think is the starting point. And I see more and more discussion about intentionality as over the last 20 years. So going back to the kind of the beginning of my journey, um, as a principles-based person, mm -hmm. I was attracted to principles-based frameworks. And so the UK framework, the Cadbury framework was one in particular that attracted my attention. Because what it said was that governance is about holding the balance between individual and community concerns and between all the stakeholder groups that are out there that are affected by the actions of the organization. I don't think that many companies have really seriously thought about that in the early 2000s. They were thinking about the regulator and they were thinking about shareholders who are important stakeholders. But over the last 20 years, I've seen more and more organizations really embrace the reality that the communities in which they reside, mm -hmm. their employees and others are also very key stakeholders and they need to balance those needs as well. So that's one. The other thing that I've really seen um, as a shift is the, the focus on purpose. Mm -hmm. Organizations are asking themselves, why do we even exist? And I think those are important questions to ask because when organizations truly reflect on that, the types of answers they come up with are about, again, the impact they want to have. And if you're thinking about impact, then you start to really ask what structures, what processes, what people do I need in place to make sure that we, we actually achieve that impact. The other two things are the acronyms we hear all the time, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, for sure. Um, but also sustainability and governance. You know, those are, um, are, are buzzwords and acronyms we can throw around, but they have deep meaning. And I am particularly interested in diversity and inclusion mm -hmm. because I think the focus for governance is around diversity of thought. Mm -hmm. You know, as a, as a female in the business world, I was kind of party to all of those programs over the years where we wanted to get more women in the workforce, more women in leadership, more women on boards. I think that again, sometimes the, the policies and the frameworks miss the intention. And the intention was to get the lived experiences of different people and the perspectives of different points of view round the table, at the leadership table and at the boardroom table, so that we could truly understand issues differently, come up with broader solutions and make more effective change happen. And I think that we're getting that now. I think we're really doubling down on those concepts. So I'm really curious, because you were a woman, probably there, you would not have been surrounded by as many women, especially in some of the industries you were in. That's right. So, so 
a couple of questions there. How did you find um, being able to actually have yourself impacted those organizations? And I'm curious, every consultant wants to know that they've made a difference, right? Yes. And sometimes you feel like you're just there grinding and they, they have you there for the purpose of, of checking that box, but what yes. you're really there for is to help them make a difference. So, so how, have you had any experience along the way where, where one is actually being a woman has been helpful maybe um, that they didn't know? And, and then have you had some experiences where you've got to feel like you've really made a difference and, and had an impact on those companies? So a couple of things. Number one, I was blessed to have a boss at the very beginning who was a very, very strong believer in um, equity in the workforce before we even had that term. So, um, and he had a very strong wife who actually was a mentor of mine as well over the oh, years. Wow. So the two of them took an interest in my career and they, th he threw all kinds of opportunities at me. And as long as I was prepared to catch the ball and run with it, he was going to throw it to me. And some days I wasn't really prepared for that, but he <laughs> pushed me hard and I loved it. So I look back on that opportunity and think of the impact he had on me, but the example he set in doing that was that he was really there to help me succeed. And I took that value into everything I did as well. So some of the best feedback I've, I've received in my 35 plus years in business are from young women mm. who have said to me, you helped me launch my career. And at the time, Ron, I wasn't really conscious of that. I felt like I was doing what I had been modeled for me, which was to encourage and to challenge and to allow people every opportunity to advance. Um, but I've had several young women over the years reach out to me and say, you gave me a piece of advice or encouragement, especially encouragement, that made a big difference. And that was incredibly important to me. Um, I also think of my time at the nuclear plant. Uh, there were about 800 people there and maybe 20 women oh, wow. that I would, in, in, you know, encounter on a regular basis. Um, and that was an, a bit of an odd environment in, in many ways. But what I realized very quickly was that there are a lot of brainiacs wandering around nuclear power plants. <laughs> and as long as you're prepared to have an intellectual conversation yeah. with them, they don't care. They'll go toe to toe with you and they yeah. don't care. And that really helped me a lot as well to know that as long as I was willing to say something that was of value, they were prepared to listen. So that was incredibly encouraging. Although, you know, there were days that I was exhausted when I came home with, with the intensity of some of those arguments, it was really helpful to me. So did you find, I mean, so with a lot of very smart people, sometimes it's hard to get the soft collaboration skills and things like that. Is that something that you had to help bring in as part of your consulting and, and into governance as well, the collaboration aspect? So that's such a good question. Um, I would say that 20 years ago, people didn't even acknowledge collaboration as being a legitimate form of leadership. Um, you know, but we were still talking about the great man or the great woman and the focal point was on the person of the leader as opposed to the yeah. process by which we got the best results and so i will say that i was a bit of an outlier early on in focusing on facilitated process and collaboration as the best way to get a solution yeah. and there were very frustrating days um, with clients and with my peers where i i really did find it was difficult to be heard mm -hmm. and 
what I have found again is that over a period of time, people started to see the outcomes and started to pay attention to the, the outcomes and then we're able to acknowledge that collaboration is actually a very effective way of getting work done. And I'm feeling a lot less lonely about that lately, Ron, because um, I think as the world gets smaller and problems get more complex, we are really starting to understand that no one person, no one team, or even one organization holds enough understanding of the problem and the potential solutions to actually make change happen. So in recent years, in the nonprofit sector, I've been working with multi-stakeholder partnerships where, you know, we're looking across a broad societal issue and saying, we can't even get to a good understanding unless we sit together and understand the problem together, let alone come out, come out with a solution that's going to actually solve the, the client need at this end. Uh, so my process design work that I, you know, I learned that 25 years yeah. ago, I've been dusting off that stuff and using it a lot in the last three or four years. I was going to ask you what some of the methodologies that you've used in the, the processes. So is it, is there anything changed or is it, is the same methodology, but of more of a receptive audience to, uh, to work with now? It's the same methodology, but it's applied across uh, yeah. different organizational boundaries. Yeah. So, you know, as an example, um, through, through the pandemic, I've been working with um, a multi-stakeholder partnership where they've been trying to provide social services to folks who need supports. Mm -hmm. And there are multiple agencies involved. So just to be able to walk them through, well, who takes the phone call? Yeah. How do you actually evaluate what the need is? Who's responsible for dealing with this particular type of issue? How do you interact with the technology? It's, it raises a lot of questions that yeah. they'd have come up, they'd have come again, up against those questions anyway at some point, yeah. but they're allowed to be able to be proactive in working their way through it in advance and being well prepared and coaching their staff in advance, as opposed to when the client is sitting in front of them and they're trying to figure out how best to help them. So I found it to be, it was quite funny to me that I was literally dusting off my process 101 skills and wow. saying, oh, yeah, these are still really useful and in a totally different environment. So that's been you, fun. Do you find, because you spent a lot of, your most referred deal with senior management. Yeah. Do you find that um, just that experience allows you to come in at a, at a higher level within some yeah. of the nonprofits? And how yeah. come I know, uh, personally, I, I know a lot of times you get bogged down in details trying to solve them yes. when in fact the biggest issues you got to solve are actually at the top level and a bit of the vision and, and how do you want this to work and you know back to some of the original things about the intention and the impact that yes. you want to make right yeah and, and it's so easy to get bogged down in the details so i'm i'm curious if that's something that you've been able to bring to the nonprofit. Yeah, absolutely. I find that in the nonprofit sector, because there are fewer levels of management in particular, uh, you're typically dealing with the executive director or the CEO and trying to help them deal with a particular issue and where they're dealing with their peers across agencies. Um, they want someone who's got the confidence and the experience to be able to say, actually, no, we should really go this direction, not that direction, when we've got a bunch of, of very senior folks in the room. So that served me very well, actually. And, and the wonderful thing about nonprofits, they have a lot of volunteer board members. Yes. Um, do you find that a different dynamic than dealing with a, a, a corporate board? That's, it's funny. Yes, in, in one way. And this, this may not be a popular point of view, but 
I find that the willingness to set aside ego is much higher when folks are supporting a nonprofit organization yeah. that is dear to their hearts. Oh. So you don't see as much um, of people just wanting to, to speak, to hear their voice heard. Hmm. They are really prepared to listen and engage in a different way. That's been my experience anyway. So, so um, I mean, that's that whole collaboration working yeah. together. So, yeah. so there's lessons learned. Is there some things you could that we could bring back to the corporate world that would be learned from nonprofit? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> um, I am really. It, it comes back to this diversity of thought. I am really convinced that if corporate boards could facilitate their leadership and their board meetings in such a way that they listened more carefully and allowed more points of view to be put on the table, there would be more creative solutions brought to bear. I've been a facilitator for 25 years and I have never had an experience where a team at any level brought to a problem could not come up with a better solution than an individual working on the solution. And, you know, I, I think of an example of a friend a few years ago who was uh, getting some coaching. She was looking to, to move up in her career, wanted a senior role. And in working with this, uh, it was a head hunting agency, basically. They gave her feedback to sit a certain way at the table to take up more space, broaden her shoulders, take up yeah. more, use her elbows, take up more space. And she's sharing this insight with me. And I, I was really uncomfortable with it, but I, being an introvert, I needed to go away and think about it a little bit and figure out why. But the reason why I was so uncomfortable was because I actually think that's looking at the situation the wrong way around. Mm -hmm. If we go to a board table or a leadership table, we should not be thinking about how to make ourselves bigger. We should be thinking about how to make more room around the table for different mm -hmm. perspectives for the people who use our products and services, for the folks who don't necessarily get asked what they think. That is where we get more creative um, thinking and better solutions as far as I'm concerned. So how can, how can consultants help to bring that into the company? So that's the one, the one advantage of being a consultant, you actually get to see other companies, how they yes. work, right? And companies hire for that, but then sometimes it's hard to get past some of their culture, right? Yes, yes, it is. Um, and as a consultant, you got to find that line. But any suggestions on how consultants can help bring um, some of that aspect into other companies and they're part of their consulting? I would say number one is by modeling it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we can come in as consultants and work one-on-one -on -one with an individual and get a good outcome for whatever situation they're trying to resolve. But if we can come in with an approach that actually has them sitting and, and talking to their stakeholders, yep. actually facilitates a conversation around a table as opposed to having a lot of divide and conquer type of conversations, we can do analysis. We're all trained in that. Yeah. You and I can go and interview 20 people and get 20 points of view and bring them together and yeah. analyze them and provide a solution. Or... We can bring together smaller or larger groups of people to have conversations with each other, which is why I'm so passionate about facilitation, yeah. because that's when we start to build on each other's points of view and and model that value that listening and paying attention to what other people have to say actually brings a better idea.
So I build it into my methodology. I build it into all my proposals, but I also model it every chance I get. And I was actually recently reminded of this because during the pandemic, I had started working with a new client. Everybody was working virtually. Everybody was stressed out. So about a year ago, they asked me to facilitate a leadership workshop. And I worked one-on-one -on -one with the person who hired me to structure the workshop, execute the workshop, and it was a priority setting thing. Nothing, you know, fairly standard methodology. And I would say it went okay. I had, you know, the yeah. client was happy. Yeah. There was nothing bad about uh, the outcome, but I also wasn't convinced it was the best possible outcome. So a year went by, I got asked to do the workshop again, priority setting for next year. And this time I suggested to the client, let's meet with the participants in advance, ask for 20 minutes of their time, make sure that we hear from them what their expectations and needs are and design the workshop accordingly. And, and the agenda didn't look that different, but the way in which I facilitated it, knowing what was in the minds of each of the individuals yeah. and what they needed was different. And the feedback was so much better. So I was thrilled. You know, and that's interesting because I think a lot of, you know, this is a consultants have their proprietary or their, their methodology they bring in. But what you're saying is you really have to adapt and listen. Yes. You have to listen to your clients and help them listen to each other. Absolutely. Right? So there is no yes. silver bullet, right? No, there isn't. And yeah. it is all about um, relationship, yeah. much and values. And I, I have to say, methodologies are kind of a dime a dozen, Ron. It's yeah. what you bring to the table as a person that makes yeah. a difference as a consultant. That's awesome. You know, we've already, can you believe it? We've already talked over half an hour. Oh my um, goodness. I told you it'd be so, hard to shut me out. <laughs> well, I know it's good. And like I, you, you and I, we talked about all the things we could talk about, but actually I want to, I want to, we're going to wrap up and then we'll, then we'll actually have time for some questions and after answers, um, but a few more minutes of what, what gives you the most passion right now? as a consultant, what's, what's, what's just making you tick and want to get up every day and be a consultant? So it's back to the collaboration yeah. world. Um, I've had the privilege in the last six months to work with one uh, organization that's got 25 agencies working together to serve yeah. the Calgary community. I've helped them document and figure out their governance structures. We've talked about decision-making. We've talked about how we pr set priorities with 25 organizations in the room. You know, we've really talked about the granular details of how you operationalize a collaboration. And just last week, I got a call from another client who said, I want to do something similar after Christmas. Will you help me? And it's a different series of agencies and and, and organizations that want to come together and make a difference for this community. Those are the things that really get me excited and bring my passion to the table to work as hard as I can for my clients, for sure. Well, well that's excellent. So, so how, clearly marketing is a word of mouth for you. It is. I, I don't do any advertising. It's all word of mouth. I don't want to work with a large cadre of clients, but I want to work very closely with the ones that I do um, take on. So that's my that's, approach. That's great. Well, and, and for Calgary, it sounds like you're helping to make a difference. So that's great. So I have so much respect for my clients. They're doing the hard work. They're yeah. working with the people who are vulnerable and need support. And if I can support them, I'm a happy camper. That's that really gets all my juices flowing for sure. 
so there, is there anything that we didn't talk about that we that I should have asked you? I think the only other thing that um, that I am really reflecting on a lot these days that would be worth mentioning is we need to think about power and how it's used. I, I grew up in a corporate setting where power was all about getting other people to do what you thought needed to be done. Yeah. But in this world of collaboration, I power is about how do we jointly achieve purpose? And so if we really think about who we give power to and who we empower, which is another buzzword, but it's, yeah. it's a meaningful one, in our organizations, we will get better results. I am convinced of that. So that's it for me. I totally agree. Those are, that's a great way to end it. Um, thank you very much, Jeannie. Um, like I said, we could talk forever. Um, I'm going to hand it back to Marlene. We're just going to end off the podcast section. And then we'll, uh, if everyone else wants to stay on, we'll have an open Q&A after. Thanks, Thanks again. Ron. Yeah, Rolf, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. Um, please remember that this podcast will be available for you to watch later on our website, um, researchyyc.org. And for more events coming up, please also check out our website. So we have more events like every week, of course, like starting New Year's um, for you to enjoy. Uh, well, once again, thank you so much and we will see you all soon. Thanks, Bernadette.